Feeling inspired by hosts Ron and Tyler to work on your health? The Movie Buffs podcast is brought to you by Time to Train Fitness, your home for on-demand workouts for every level of fitness. Exercise with amazing certified instructors that want you to push through any barriers. At Time to Train Fitness, you'll find quality workouts across six class formats, including indoor cycling, HIIT, bar, yoga, strength training, and dance cardio. Stream brand new classes releasing every week in our 450-plus on-demand workout library. Use the link in the description to view all of the membership options and to start a free five-day trial. Get ready to press play on your next workout. Hey listeners, host Tyler Valencia here. Before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about a product I wear every day and has been a game changer for my health, Naboso Performance Insoles. The Naboso line of insoles are recommended for waking up the feet when standing at work, enhancing foot awareness, and increasing foot stimulation. I personally wear the Duo insoles, which offer the highest level of stimulation, and I can't say enough positive things about them. I used to have foot pain after sitting at my desk, working away all day, and it would make getting ready to work out a process and a half. Using these insoles has helped me, and if you want to give them a try, head to the link in the description, and then come back to share your feedback with us. to our fellow film and fitness enthusiasts and welcome back to the core agenda episode 22 slash two of the movie buffs podcast we're the strongest podcast in the world about movies i want to thank you for spending your time with us here today as always i'm your friendly neighborhood host ron jam and as always my partner in illegal activities tyler aka lt great is here to help us out how's it going today tyler it's going so many illegal activities going on in my neck mm. of the woods so many you're st- selling fireworks the suburbs get so crazy (laughs) these little kids on the corner oh my goodness getting wild tyler is uh slanging bootleg uh kit kat bars in the neighborhood and he's got a whole ring of people selling them for him it's i shouldn't even be saying this the suburbs gonna break my legs (laughs) get lit (laughs) uh so welcome back everybody uh this week we are having fun we're back at it. We're recording a little early. So if you hear an extra pep in my step, it's because I got my podcast juice ready to go. I got a uh, kombucha right next to a coffee, right next to a double scoop of plant-based protein. Uh, and needless to say, there's a fire brewing down below. How are you feeling today, Tyler? <laughs> I can say that I've never had kombucha. I had a roommate what? that once made some. No, oh, no, don't do that. It looked like throw up in a, yeah. in a huge jug. And I think that yeah, he turned me off for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's hard to come back from that visual. <laughs> when his name was Hippie Dave, and I, I'm pretty good <laughs> thinking that he's yeah. not going to listen to our podcast. Not really <laughs> what uh, he's into, but um, yeah, it, it looked like someone like puked into a huge mm-hmm. jar and was just, just letting it brew, just letting it brew yeah. in his room. Hell yeah. All the, oh, I love that we've quickly turned this into a pee-pee and poo-poo talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you're saying that Hippie Dave is not a fellow film and fitness enthusiast? Uh, not so much on the fitness. I'm trying to think. One of the, I think he's getting too deep into Hippie Dave, but um, <laughs> I remember one time. So he actually wasn't going to school. Like when he had already graduated, when I moved into this house. Stayed living this, on campus. I'm trying to like make this story not sound weird. Um, <laughs> so this off-campus house that I lived in, he was already living there and he had already graduated and one time like a friend from where he grew up came and he like showed this picture of this this guy and I was like, this is him. And it was this guy with cargo short, regular t-shirt, nice haircut. 
And all of a sudden, like, I look to the left and he's standing there. He's literally wearing, what do you call that? A, a sarong? Like a, like a sheet <laughs> to cover up his, to cover up his nuts. And, and it was like a tie dye one too. And like, I don't even know if he was wearing a shirt, to be honest. He maybe had like a, like a bandana that was like a cut shirt that to like hold mm-hmm. his like dreadlocks and whatnot. Um, but that, that's hippie Dave. Nice guy though. <laughs> well, before we get any further, shout out to those dirty ass roommates. Shout out to hippie Dave. Uh, shout out to all our film and fitness enthusiasts. Shout out to uh, Vinsanity24 Coop. Everybody keep doing your thing. Hippie Dave, stay hippie, stay dirty, man. Um, before we get into the work sets, we obviously got to warm up, dude. You don't want to pull anything. Um, so what do you got for us as far as warm up news? Well, something big to kick mm. off the week. Did you get your Spider-Man tickets? <laughs> I sure did. And I had to get a 10 p.m. Uh, showing just to get seats near each other. Yeesh. It's crazy that people are reselling these tickets for like thousands of dollars. My wife was listening to one of her favorite podcasts. It's a replay of a show in Los Angeles, The Woody Show. And they were talking about this incident, I believe it was in Mexico. I don't know what part, um, but like like fights broke out for Spider-Man tickets. For Spider-Man, dang, dude. And like they were like joking. They're like, what? They don't have like Fandango or what are the other <laughs> ones out there that sell tickets? And But like. They, I would say they have it down these days in the in the States. They learned from previous movies, maybe um, Infinity War. And when that did happen, like websites just crashed. Now, like they put you in like a, a slot and you just have to wait your time uh, to get them. But they they kind of got to figure it figured out. Yeah. Well, speaking of Infinity War and Endgame, uh, apparently this is the largest pre-sale number since Endgame. So I guess the hype for Spider-Man is real. Uh, we just got to hope to avoid spoilers. My my wife was actually asking, like, why is there such crazy cues? Why is everyone getting tickets? I'm like, I think we all just feel that there's an infinite amount of spoilers we're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to lock yourself in your room with the TV off, no YouTube, no Instagram, no Internet to avoid those spoilers. So everyone's trying to get it in that night. Yeah. I know personally, uh, I'm seeing it on Thursday night. Tyler, when are you seeing it? I'm seeing it on Friday. I'm oh. trying to think if that's the, is that the 18th? At, interesting at 3 p.m <laughs> so speaking of spoilers um anybody who saw our last heard our last episode knows that uh maybe i i send tyler videos of movies that i'm watching sometimes just to to talk shit and bother him um what if somebody gets all the spoilers sent over to him how would you feel well that's what do not disturb is on your phone they've they've made it quite uh, a hey but we work together i'm sending it to your work email <laughs> Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, not only am I going to DM it to you, I'm going to freaking post it to my story. I'm going to hack your account, post it to your story. (laughs) I'm spoiling this for you, dude. It's going to be my life's mission. (laughs) So everybody stay tuned for our uh, Spider-Man No Way Home review. When you find out whether or not I was able to spoil the film for Tyler. Before we jump into the next Spider-Man thing, are you just as pumped for this to say maybe instead of compared to Endgame? Um, I gotta say, I don't think there's going to be a way to be as hyped as Endgame was, mm-hmm. um, but I'm interested. I, I know they can't because it's advertising and you got to get meat and cheeks in the seats, mm-hmm. but I wish I wouldn't, you know, they hadn't already shown as much as they have. I know they're hiding a lot, but yeah, they should have just said, Hey, there's a Spider-Man movie. You're going to see it. Go see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to get close to like Endgame in terms of the hype, but I, I think it does. a I think it does a Billy. When I remember like when I watched Endgame, I was actually out in Phoenix before we moved out here and just the, the atmosphere, like when Cap gets the hammer 
and the end fight scenes, just hearing everybody just losing it in the yeah. theater. Oh my goodness. Just awesome. But then what I always compare it to is uh, where Ron and I met was actually in Thousand Oaks, California. And I went to go watch it again that same weekend. And nobody clapped in Thousand Oaks. I was like, <laughs> how lame are these people? Uh, that area is not known for its uh, exuberance and uh, fun, let's just say. No shout out um, to Thousand Oaks. No shout out. Shout in. Whisper <laughs> in to Thousand Oaks. Whisper in. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. I watched it with my dad, my brother, and one of my brother's friends. And we're all sitting there going, oh, my God. And I was like, this is just so cool. <laughs> and, and my dad, who's also a, a comic book and movie fan, he was like, God, he's like, you guys are lucky. They got to wait till calls. How much do we curse on this show? Can we F and Jeff or no? It's a it's a personal choice. Let's quote my dad. He's like, I had to fucking wait till I was 50 for this. <laughs> You're so lucky. That's a good point made by your dad. Like some movies come out too soon and the technology isn't there. I mean, I'm going to compare it to Star Wars right now. Just imagine any of the Star Wars being made like now. Like they were always, in my opinion, like five, 10 years before when they should have been made because of the <laughs> technology, even though they were pushing the barriers. It's like, holy crap, like this is the worst, like blue screen, green screen, whatever screen <laughs> that's going on right now. They put these movies out. The prequel trilogy. But anyways, next Spider-Man news here. Reports that another Spider-Man trilogy is in the mix. How do you feel? I feel good. I mean, I think it would be weird to give Tom Holland uh, to to get rid of him now. I feel like as much as I do like all the stuff he's done as Spider-Man, you kind of don't you haven't had a lot of time of just him doing Spider-Man stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I want a neighborhood Spider-Man adventure. So hopefully we get one of those. Mm -hmm. He's been doing all the Avenger stuff. He's had all I mean, the Vulture stuff was kind of neighborhood Spider-Man-y, but they even said purposely they avoided the, you know, the main like him swinging around the city and that kind of, I just want to see him fight some crime, swing around, you know? So hopefully we get a little bit of that. Yeah. I, I and think I think even three movies from now, Tom Holland will still look um, 20 or <laughs> 18. Or, you know, I think he's 24 now. He still looks 17. So give him 10 years. He'll still, look, he'll get up to 20. <laughs> and it's kind of a favor to everybody that with Tom Holland Signing up to do more Spider-Man movies. We don't have to see him in any other movies. We don't have to see another Cherry. We don't have to see this adventure hey, movie that he's in. I'm just saying. It's kind I of a thank you. the trailer for Cherry and it looks awesome and I've heard good things. You're a liar. I've thought about rewatching the trailer for Cherry and I remember <laughs> that it looked awesome and I've also heard good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, next, next on the list here, Ronald, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. December. Typically mm -hmm. a big time for movies to come out. I'm going to read you a couple movies. Some people say it's the most wonderful time of the year for movies to come out. Hell yeah. What is your most anticipated December movie release out of the ones I'm going to give you here, okay? All right, hit me with them. It's probably this one. West Side Story, mm. Lost Daughter, Spider-Man, Don't Look Up, Matrix, Nightmare Alley, Red Rocker. I think I, it's a small sign. I can't see it. Red Sing Rocket. 2. The Kingsman and the tragedy of Macbeth. Okay. Before I go any further, funny story about uh, West Side Story. Uh, two years ago when they began production, they had like open casting calls out. Mm -hmm. You just put yourself on tape and send it in. Obviously never heard back, but I sent in an audition <laughs> for West Side Story. Didn't know any of the songs. I was at the, uh, the workplace where you and I met mm -hmm. and I locked all the doors and I was like, I hope nobody comes in because I had to film. 
uh, a little, a little twisting and turning, a little twist and twirl with a little singing uh, mm. and a little introduction. I was like, this would be so embarrassing if someone walked in. Needless to say, I'm not in that Steven Spielberg movie, and I didn't hear back. <laughs> but I thought it was it was worth a shot. Um, but yeah, so my my most anticipated, it's definitely a toss up between uh, Matrix and Spider Man. Although I feel like the Matrix has the most possibility because it's not tied to anything other than itself, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no, you know, there's no kind of limitations because the the continuity is so kind of self uh, self-contained and it folds in and they could always say, Oh, if that one sucked, well, that was somebody's dream. That's in a different matrix. So mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued in that. I think Spider-Man is going to be pretty sick, but we know certain things have to be able to keep going because of the whole Marvel cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And you could walk into uh, the matrix and everything in the trailer could have been the first 10 minutes. Neo's dead. And it's an entirely different movie. And that's yeah. that possibility has me the most intrigued. Give me your top three out of that list. Uh, so Matrix, Spoderman, and then I don't remember the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bullshitting. I just forgot. Kingsman, Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up. That's That'd be my guess of the ones that you would potentially go watch. Mm, uh, Kingsman, I'll definitely see uh, because we do this. Mm-hmm. But I was so I felt so kind of burned by the last Kingsman movie that I'm not really excited for this one. I, I definitely want to see what it's about. Um, but I was laughing that who's the guy in the movie? Like who's the lead guy? Taron Eg- Eg- Egerton? Eg- no, no. Eg- in the new one. Um, oh, Ra- uh, Voldemort. No, the, the young new guy. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think, he, I don't even, I don't even think he knows who he is. He's just a, uh, He's the standard like Ansel Elgort type of guy where it's like he's tall, he's thin, he's white, he's probably British, he's a brunette. <laughs> give him a movie. Is anyone going to remember this guy? Maybe, Pick maybe him up. Just give him, give him a movie. <laughs> Every time I see one of those, I'm like, can we? I, I could do that. I mean, like these guys, they're just they just kind of stand there and get stuff explained to them and then run around and then the movie ends and then maybe they're in a different movie, but you don't remember because there's 18 of them. Oh, 18 of the same guy. Only joking, but I got to preface that. But with this being a prequel and set not in 2021, <laughs> I don't think they had your color. With you don't think you don't think there were thing. any you don't think there were any uh, Mexican American British soldiers in World War One? Hey, I'm not saying I wouldn't have liked to see that. You but would, oh, so you you would have got me into the British <laughs> Army. I would have had you in there, front row, man. You'd you'd be yeah. in there. You'd already be in the Kingsman. You'd be the. Heard it here first, folks. If Tyler Valencia was in charge, there would be Mexicans in the British Secret Service in the eighteen tens. I'm glad you threw my last name there, so people know that <laughs> I'm not just being <laughs> a dick to Ron. <laughs> Moving on here, and a little bit of more Marvel news. I always feel bad when we like sandwich a real a regular story with more Marvel. <laughs> um, news, but uh, Kobe Smulders will reprise her role as Maria Hill within the Secret Invasion series. You excited? Um, sure. I mean, I can't say that her character's really had much of an impact in the series so far. She's kind of just around. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. Yeah. So maybe we'll they'll on. give her something cooler to do. So good on her. So this one was actually something that was trending on Twitter, this next piece of news. And it was kind of interesting because I actually haven't watched Red Notice yet. And I know that you mm-hmm. have. Yes, I have. I Red Noticed it. <laughs> this was trending. 
this past week how Red Notice turned the event movie into a non-event. I guess it was, um, I'm going to read right here from this tweet, that Red Notice is said to rival Marvel's Avengers Endgame in viewership, accounting for 277.9 million hours viewed across 93 territories. So not really much hype talk about it, despite being a very popular movie. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, it makes sense. It's very accessible. There's three enormous stars in it. Um, the chemistry between Ryan Reynolds and DJ is is very good. You know, obviously, they're, they're fun together. But I also get why people aren't really talking about it because, again, it's free if you have Netflix. You watch mm-hmm. it at home. Sometimes maybe you watch it in two or three parts. Like if you're like, oh, I'm eating dinner and, oh, we got to run out of the house. Stop it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that same experience. And then honestly as someone who's seen the movie it's not like it's not an avengers level of like oh my god then this happened and we've been putting it together for 15 years you really want to see it just you know it's a solid action uh adventure romp and like other than that i i would recommend it yeah but yeah i get why people aren't talking about it i'm just gonna say the rock puts i can't really say butts in the seat because you're just watching at home i guess but it still is i mean i'm sure you're sitting down somewhere (laughs) yeah he brings people in, no matter what it is. There's so many movies that I, did, I haven't seen from The Rock. Um, what was that one where like Los Angeles was collapsing on itself? That one? Uh, San Andreas. Yeah. They didn't see it, but I'm sure he sold a lot of tickets. I haven't even seen that one, but I think it did uh, like $870 million. He brings them in. He's out to The Rock. He's basically printing money. We're just waiting for you to come on the podcast. Come on. I know. On. I, I, put, I, I texted him. Uh, and he hasn't gotten back to me, probably because in the um, field for number, I just typed in The Rock. So I don't know if it actually even got anywhere. Probably but not. We'll see. Yeah. Dwayne, hit me up, hit me back, bro. I watched this thing on The Rock about like his, how he spends his money and like his houses and like, of course, like Iron Paradise, how he like has brought to each set and everything. But I loved how, and it's good for him, like, because it's cool how whenever you see on Instagram when he stops, for the tours, the, and he's always, you know, doing these little f- videos with fans that I'm sure just make their day, which is oh, yeah. shows w- what a good person The Rock is, in my opinion. Um, but like, they don't really know where he lives. Like, he, everything's like so hidden. Like his ranch that's in Virginia, no yeah. idea where it is. <laughs> good for him. I heard him talk about that too. That uh, he has a lot of family that still lives in Hawaii, and so that's like the only place he goes that he can kind of do stuff and feel like a normal person because. I think it's it's on one of the smaller islands and it's a small town. So he's like, yeah, I go there so frequently. A lot of people there I'm actually related to. So people still get excited to see me, but they're used to seeing me. So I can go to the grocery store or like just go mm-hmm. to eat with my my wife and kids. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, you do love to see that when you're like, hey, you're somebody who's worth so much money and literally just saying, hey, how's it going, guys? To a group of people can make their day. It's like, why don't more oh, people yeah. do that? It's so like, it'd be so easy to make the day of, like he does, like he pulls up to the tour buses mm-hmm. and takes a video and all people have that story. And I'm like, hey, I'm on the Rock's Instagram. And he said hi to me. Like, It's a pretty cool <laughs> thing to do. Yes. Any more news from you, Ron? Um, no. Oh, well, back circling back, back, back to Spider-Man. Uh, we have confirmation of a new trilogy starring Tom Holland, like we talked about. And they also confirmed the thing they've been threatening since 2009, that they're doing the Sinister Six. Uh, mm. How does that make you feel? I mean, they've been setting up the pieces for quite a while, so hopefully it actually happens. And they didn't just throw everyone into what was the Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
Yeah, I I loved at the end of that movie where they had the uh, underground bunker of origins. It's just a bunch of backpacks. <laughs> like, put this backpack on and you're a bad guy. All right, so I guess we're all warmed up as far as news. Now we're moving into our uh, famous segment that we'll have done twice once we've done it this time. The get to know the movie buff segment. Today we're going to go through three moments that got Tyler into movies. So Tyler, why don't you go ahead and break those down for us, starting with number three. Number three. And... This whole get to know, it really, I think we had it as movies first. And I just couldn't think of movies. Like there wasn't like for me, like, oh, like this movie, that movie, that movie. Like, oh, I want to get into movie. I want to go to film school. I don't, I never really had that type of desire. But um, three moments. And the first one, I'm going to kick it off because I'm sure there's people listening that have something very similar. And mm-hmm. for me, in that awkward stage of life between middle school high school, like eighth, ninth, 10th grade, where girls don't really hang out with you. And so you get into like video games and eventually you grow out of it unless you're on. But when you're going <laughs> to the, the movies on, and this is before, you know, they had apps and everything. So uh, my friends and I on Fridays going to Friday movies for like big releases, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, going to midnight showings on Thursday night before they just started releasing things on Thursday, despite <laughs> and it not being a midnight release. They just do it. I, on- I love they do like the 5 p.m. on Thursdays now. <laughs> it's not even close to midnight. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> but all those moments, I mean, we would walk there because we didn't have cars, weren't old enough, walking to the theater, standing in line. Then all of a sudden when they release the, Whatever that uh, the thing is, the, the line rope right there. And everybody's just running in to get seats because you didn't have safe <laughs> seats. And people just elbowing and like getting mad because some nerd behind you. I feel bad saying that, but some nerd behind you. As a guy who's doing a, a podcast about movies, you're also a nerd. You're allowed to say it. Hey, I work out. That means that I'm not. I work out. <laughs> but just trying to beat everybody to get, you know, middle row seats and like trying to, is this middle? And then just trying to get all those to save it for all your friends. Like those moments because I'm. I just remember standing in line for hours, three, four hours, because I mean, school what gets out at like three something, so you're just standing in line waiting, uh, and that whole experience was just something that you still look back on it. And I'm not one of those people that would dress up for movies. Some of my friends would, but that whole experience, just, I feel like it builds that. Oh, this is fun. This is something that I look back on. It's one of those memories. And mm-hmm. did, were you one of those people that would go wait in line? I would. I would love to wait in line. We go. And we do a dinner before we make it a whole thing. My brother and I, we still do the Thursday nights just for fun. We'll meet. My brother lives uh, for the listeners. He lives about 90 miles away. So we'll meet 45 miles each in the middle and go see a movie. It's a great time. Yeah, I can say that Ron is not lying with that. He, even despite when we were doing the podcast before, he would not go see a movie with me because he had to go see it with his brother. So he's very yeah. passionate about that. I'm not I'm not joking about that, even though my tone kind of sounds like it is. <laughs> Everyone needs to understand this. Uh, Tyler has a very friendly face and a very um, patronizing <laughs> tone. So he constantly is like, oh, yeah, that's good for you. We're going to move on. We're not going to get into that yet. Next right, moment. moment number two. And this one was, I feel like the one probably closest to what inspired me to learn more about movies. And I tried to pinpoint one specific movie with this director. If you listen to our previous episodes that just disappeared into the space. Um, my favorite you director know what's crazy Christian. is that it literally could have been any one of us. Ooh. <laughs> my favorite director is Christopher Nolan. And 
I, the movie, I think it had to do with the movie, the director, but also the character with Batman Begins, just how it was shot, the whole idea of nonlinear storytelling. That was really the movie that, even though that's been around for a while, it really just opened my eyes. Oh, wow, that's cool. You can tell a story, come back to something, jump around, and then all of a sudden, all the pieces kind of mesh together. And I believe it was a YouTube video that I watched when Christopher Nolan was talking about storytelling and movie making, production. And I think he was talking about nonlinear storytelling in terms of if you take a line and then essentially you bend it, and then you're basically choosing pieces to put into the timeline that make sense and bring the story together. And I think that was part of the idea of it. Like, oh, wow, that's cool how you can insert these pieces that are not directly related. And all of a sudden, by the end, they all make sense and it all blends together because we've seen movies that try to do it, don't make sense. And the way that he did with Batman Begins, being a fan of, I'll tell you right now, that my my favorite actually character is actually Robin, not Batman, but <laughs> watching the Batman movies. Oh, yeah, Tyler. Well, what's your favorite Robin? <laughs> I'm sticking to this. We can always come back to that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my character, the the um actually gatekeeper. I go, um, actually, what's your favorite Robin? You don't even know. With uh, Christopher Nolan. And I, there was a story that I heard that was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, too. Because I was just getting into watching more movies was there's a story that before even production began, he brought everybody into a theater and he put on uh, a showing of Blade Runner. And he said, that's how we're going to make the new Batman series. That's how we're going to make Batman Begins. And so then going and watching Blade Runner and seeing how it's made and the story, the, the effects, all that kind of stuff. And then going back and watching Batman Begins. That's one of those moments you're like you're connecting pieces. You're like, oh, wow, I could see that. Oh, that's pretty cool. And just seeing that type of inspiration. Oh, that's interesting. And it's funny you mentioned that, too, because when you started talking about it, I was like, Batman Begins is nonlinear, but it's done that seamlessly. I never even like I've seen the movie three dozen times i've never clocked it that it is like <laughs> it is mixed up as far as the timeline that's funny number one number one <laughs> so i had to dig deep for this one and with thinking of times and movies and i knew i wanted to include a movie that it's not necessarily a good movie but i had to find a way that to tie it into everything so the movie is gattaca and I, that's one of my favorite movies, despite it not being that good. But really where this fits into the list is I feel like it showed me that you can find different things other than just entertainment for movies. Like I take inspiration from that movie. The whole storyline of somebody not being uh, born the way that how it's a futuristic movie. So not being genetically engineered in a certain way, being born the old fashioned way um, and his journey to being one of the most uh, noble jobs of the time working for, I don't think it's NASA, but becoming an astronaut, all things that you would typically correlate with somebody of his birth, that all the things that he did with the surgeries, all these things that he did on a normal day in order to achieve that, it's just inspiration. So I feel like that was a movie that showed you, okay, wow, like you can Take things. You can get motivation for movies. You can get inspiration that hopefully showcase, even though it's, of course, fictional. Uh, it's something that you're like, okay, wow, I like that. That's motivation for me. <laughs> wow. Now, 
I've seen that movie a million times, but I'm glad you clarified what it's about for the listeners who probably haven't seen every movie since we're movie buffs. We see everything. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like I know that for myself. I think actually I saw it in high school in maybe it was an anatomy class. I think it was. It had to be. You said F it that day. I was like, you're watching this movie. <laughs> we were watching this movie, but it didn't click then until I watched it as an adult. Wow. So those are our top three moments that got Tyler into movies and film. My mind is so blown that I'm I'm warm. How are you, Tyler? You warmed up, baby? Warmed up big time. Oh, yeah. All right. So now we're ready to rock it. What's our working set today? What are we hitting? What's the big boy? One of the bigger movies from 2021 is Dune. We're going to go over Dune, talk about directors, cast, premise, recommendations, reviews. So Dune. Big thing here, if you have not seen it, we're going to be talking about spoilers a little bit later on, and we'll give you the whole spoiler alert to skip forward a couple minutes, probably a handful of minutes on a couple. But <laughs> if you haven't seen it, big time movie of the year that was highly anticipated. One of those movies that got pushed back a little bit because of mm-hmm. the pandemic, movie, sh- uh, movie theaters shutting down with this one. And oh my goodness, I feel like I should have practiced before. I'm going to give a little joke before I say the director's name, but <laughs> I remember because I like Denny Villeneuve, but uh, I, for for the longest time, I always thought it was Dennis. And <laughs> all of a sudden they're making all these YouTube, um, you know, screen rant and uh, all the different type of YouTube or YouTube movie review things are making all these things about Dune coming out. And I'm like, oh. These a-holes are saying his name wrong. (laughs) No respect. (laughs) No respect at all. And all of a sudden, I'm like, maybe I'm saying it wrong. (laughs) So I did go online to check. And if you have used Google Translator pronunciation, super cool that you can just type in someone's name and they'll say it for you. And I will say that I was actually very happy to see that he's actually French-Canadian and not French because... Just can't stand the French. But anyways, so the director, Denis Villeneuve, he is French-Canadian. Just getting back to what I should have been talking about all along. (laughs) And loaded cast. If you go to IMDb and you see who they assembled for it, loaded. got Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Selen Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya. I'm not going to say Timothy's last name because I'm going to butcher it, but loaded cast of people for this for this movie and it's for good reason and you can already hear the positive tone i have when talking about it so you can probably guess what my recommendation is going to be but before ron's going to talk about the premise give us a little breakdown ron so the premise i was a little confused with all the stuff you were just saying because as far as i know dune is actually a uh, 1984 american epic science fiction film written and directed by david lynch based on the 1965 frank herbert novel of the same name the film stars kyle mclaughlin in his film debut as a young nobleman named paul atreides and a duke's son leads a desert warriors against the galactic emperor and his father's evil nemesis to free the desert world from their emperor's rule now am i lost there am i wrong did i do something wrong did i make a mistake I think if you are a boomer and you accidentally tried to search on Google, I think you made a mistake there, Ronald. Hmm. I mean, I I was born in 1957. (laughs) Interesting. A couple years off there. Interesting. So we're talking about the 2021 adaptation. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Well, the 2021 adaptation is the same story. Um. 
I don't know what else to say, guys. <laughs> I think we've all seen uh, the 84 version and read the book. So, Tyler, you take it from here, bud. <laughs> well, I didn't do either of those. And that was actually part of my inner dilemma of if I was going to see the 1984 version. And I know it's a cult classic. I have friends that are into sci-fi that they even said after they watched the 2021 version that they still have like love for the 1984 version, but still they give the new version a huge amount of props. But essentially, two different houses fighting for uh, hold of this whole galaxy, uh, with one being House Atreides, and that's where our main characters, Timothy and uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Timothy Chalamet. There you go. <laughs> Tommy Champagne, as they call him in the streets. <laughs> With them going to this new planet, Arrakis. Um, and essentially, this whole story revolves around this whole idea of spice. And this planet, Arrakis, having a large quantity of spice uh, prior to this House of Trades, where like, I'm just going to go back and say Oscar Isaac's character, he's the head of that house. Prior to that, they had this other house. House Harkonnen, and they are depicted as the greedy, evil house. They were there mining spice. And I'll admit, this whole idea of different planets, different houses, super confusing because all of a sudden you're like, okay, is this going to be like Game of Thrones? Is this going to be and like Star Wars? And you just don't know which one it is. And that actually goes into um, what I would say is that my recommendation and also uh, as we move into those parts of this review is that they did a, a good job. I, I was yeah. very worried that I was going to be confused. I've watched videos prior to going to see and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's no way I'm going to understand what spice is. I'm not, there's no <laughs> way that I'm going to understand like all these different houses. I'm a big fan yeah. of Game of Thrones. But I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I, I got to say for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, um, it's it's even, it's clear. It's not confusing really at all once you get in the movie. Uh, even with stuff like they'll withhold some information, but it's not like, what the, what is going on? You're just kind of like, okay, I get it. We're going to find that out later. Don't worry. Like, um, even just listening to Tyler's breakdown of it, it's pretty clear. It's way clearer than that in the movie. You won't be confused. They all look different. They are all in different places. It's, it's clear, dude. Yeah. That's one of the things that if you do come from being a fan of Game of Thrones and going to go see Dune, that sometimes you might get a little confused in Game of Thrones with so many different names, pronunciations, all that kind of stuff. And yet you go watch uh, Dune and it's pretty clear who's who's who, who's the bad guys, who's uh, who do you want to win? And it's, I can't say win, but uh, who who are you rooting for in it? It's a it's a movie well done. It's well told. The storytelling in it. I know that my wife, who same thing. She went in not knowing much. I don't even think she watched any YouTube breakdowns prior. And she understood it. She got a good um, understanding of the different characters. And for myself, I can't remember a movie like this that I've actually watched even more. And as we move on with different parts of our review of the movie, I maybe Star Wars that I've watched now, years later, watching different breakdowns and... I do know more about the future of the series, not like, oh, like Ron, me. but it uh, it just goes to how well this movie was made and how it brought in an audience that 
will want to learn more that wants to go see it. So I know that I was a big fan um, and ex- excited to hear that they are going to be making the next movie. So before I get us off track with this aside, I've been waiting to say, <laughs> let's go official a recommendation station stations. Tyler, do you recommend people see this in the theater? <laughs> I think you kind of gave it away with literally everything you said. <laughs> I did give it away, but I would recommend it. It's something visually. If you are an AMC member, if you have the AMC pass. Oh, don't start talking about digital <laughs> or, or Dolby. Let's go. Let's give the people what they want to hear. Watch it on your phone. <laughs> Outside at a park with your brightness down. I <laughs> uh, no, I would I, I agree with Tyler. I recommend absolutely to go see it in Dolby Digital Plus, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's a definite you can watch it streaming. I would absolutely recommend see it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. The the visuals are just mind blowing. And I'm a big fan of Dolby Cinema and one of our old <laughs> Podcast this episode, episode is not brought to you by Dolby Cinema. Ron and I got into it about Dolby Cinema. And it was I feel like it was because he wasn't going to go. He, despite having AMC Pass, I know that Ron does not see movies in Dolby. He just goes when it's convenient. I will I just take go it. whenever I get my free Icy. I sit down and I drink it and I get a headache. Because <laughs> I have too much sugar at once and I start shaking. Well... Ron, what's your recommendation beyond that? What would you have to say about the movie? Uh, I highly recommend it. It was a wonderful piece of filmmaking. Uh, We touched on this before that even though it is quite an in-depth lore, I do a very good job of um, keeping you from getting too confused. One um, critique I would have is almost every single thing Rebecca Ferguson said needed subtitles because she was always like, I was like, girl, (laughs) stop fucking whispering, man. We're in the theater. Uh, other than her character, everyone else was very clearly understood. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, in a little bit later, we're going to go over our favorite scenes, and I'm going to touch more on what I really enjoyed visually about it. Uh, but I got to say, Denny Villeneuve is known for his visual storytelling, and I think something people don't give him credit enough for is the subtlety, which is not something you think of when you think big, giant sci-fi epic. But this take place takes place on different planets and in space, but nothing looks like ostentatious. It all feels real to the world that you're seeing uh and it really helps the immersion like everybody acts like a person that exists um Mm. like everything looks real like someone has lived there before and it's just a gorgeous movie i highly recommend it Mm -hmm. and before we go any further i'm going to get us off topic (laughs) so you discussed game of thrones being confusing (laughs) and as somebody who's seen the last two episodes of game of thrones and that's it uh i gotta say game of thrones did do a better job because i think frank herbert really phoned in on first names uh, two of the main characters are <laughs> Paul and Jessica. I'm like, oh. come on, bro. You have all these, di- you came up with methods for intergalactic travel and these like mind altering drugs and giant sand monsters, but you stopped with first names, calling them Paul and Jessica. <laughs> and then <laughs> one piece that to bring us back on track, <laughs> no, that we, stay off track. <laughs> that we didn't even talk about was <laughs> that the music, because I, I knew going in that Hans Zimmer did it. And I'm a big fan of Hans Zimmer, um, probably because he, he did almost all of Christopher Nolan's movies. But the soundtrack and the how it blends with the movie, just on point with every move, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I agree. It was really good. And in, I sometimes I think with Chris Nolan stuff, uh, Hans Zimmer gets a little bit um, 
overly bombastic, not in a bad way, just in a way that sometimes the score kind of overwhelms the, sometimes it, you know, it's just a lot because Christopher Nolan does like those big, like not literal explosions, but explosions of action and like visual stuff where it's supposed to be kind of a crescendo. And I feel like mm-hmm. in this movie, it's, it's right there with the visuals. And at no point do you ever go like, wow, this score is a little bit much or vice versa. It's like, everything's dialed in like perfectly. Like I wouldn't, other than Rebecca Ferguson whispering, I wouldn't have wanted to change anything and be like, oh, I could use better music or, you know, the visuals don't match. It was so perfectly dialed in. Yeah. I'm going to give the spoiler alert warning right now because I'm going to ask you spoiler, a question. Spoiler, 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 spoiler alert. <laughs> wow. That spoiler alert robot you got really does this trick and he's pretty handsome. Yeah. <laughs> what? What did you think about Zendaya not really being in the movie? I was surprised, but I I get why they showed her in the trailers and stuff, because uh, she is an integral part to the story, though mm-hmm. she doesn't have a lot to do in this one. And I know um, going forward, because of where the movie ends up, she's going to be one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting that I kind of felt bad for her because even just going off the scenes they shot and the different places they had to be, she probably had to go to this desert. Where, where, where did they film it? I think they filmed it outside of Jordan, I think. So she had to fly to Jordan, probably live there for two or three months to film five minutes of this movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure she enjoyed it. And the I'm experience. sure she was, uh, received adequate remunerations. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's your favorite scene? My favorite scene, uh, and this kind of circles back to what I talked about earlier that I would get into, um, is the scene where... Uh, the Harkonnen attack in the middle of the night and how Citrates is, is caught off guard. Um, and one of the things I wanted to bring up was Denis Villeneuve's use of lighting. So oftentimes in these kind of uh, films, when you're showing somebody flying around or doing whatever that requires a lot of CGI, is they'll do either wrap with a blue or green screen, blue or green screen, because it's go. easier to chroma key out and separate from the foreground. The only problem is the ambient lighting bouncing off the blue or green screen is going to be either blue or green. So for a movie like this, where it takes place almost entirely on a sandy planet, this doesn't make sense. So they use what's called a sand screen. So it's a sand colored blue screen that wrapped around all the vehicles and they use for all the CGI. So it helps to kind of uh, commit that ambient light that was bouncing off of objects and onto the actors to better match what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And plus with that, it kind of, again, enhance the sense of immersion. And one of the other things that I really enjoyed that I'm just going to say as a uh, point of reference, Black Widow, there's a scene at the end where a whole <laughs> thing is blowing up behind her. This whole building is exploding. And as she's running, the explosion goes off. And even though there's an explosion behind her, which would um, oversaturate the lighting on a camera, you can see Scarlett Johansson's face perfectly. And when you see that subconsciously, even if you don't realize it, you your brain goes, oh, that's not real. Because if you ever put your hand in front of like a bonfire and you put your hand between your eyes and the, bon- the bonfire, you cannot see the details of your hands because the light source is behind it and it's too bright. So one of the things I really enjoyed in this scene that got me started talking is Josh Brolin's character is running out to face the uh, the Harkonnen. And as he's running, we're kind of in a close up with him. So, you know, he's a very good actor, very emotive person. So you're seeing his struggle. You're seeing the pain in his eyes that his people are getting attacked. And then these big explosions start going off. And instead of, you know, oversaturating the light on his face and making it look unreal, you cannot see anything other than his silhouette. And a lot of filmmakers would think, okay, we're losing the performance. But for me, 
I felt even more immersed because that's what it would look like. If an explosion went off behind you, you know, you wouldn't be able to see it. So it kind of adds to that sense of um, disorganization and that disarray of the attack that's going on. And then, you know, you go into it together. And I really love that about the lighting and the VFX and the way everything was blended together. Like I said, it, this whole movie is just dialed in and you could tell it was a labor of love. What about you, mm-hmm. Tyler? What was your favorite scene? One piece that I always want to add into kind of goes into like your explanations of the sand that something I saw with one of the videos was even their use of sets. So blue screen, green screen, sand screen, um, <laughs> the combination of practical or real mm-hmm. sets. One of the ones that I saw, like if you've seen the movie, you know that the worms, they basically shake as they're coming to the top. The ground starts to shake. People lose their footing because the sand's moving. They built this device that was essentially underneath the sand so that it would shake and vibrate the sand so that you could get those types of visuals and the Mm -hmm. cast would be on top of that. So just that amount of blending real with visual effects, that's something that I think just goes into how the whole movie was made. But the visuals of it, it's not just all in front of a blue screen or a green screen. It's Things that those little added effects when you're watching, you're just like, wow, that just looks amazing. How do they do that? That gets the mind going into those places. Yeah. Um, but uh, my favorite scene, I actually had to think hard for this one because I like the whole movie. <laughs> and um, I think it has to be actually the end fight scene um, with Paul because you're wondering how all of these visions are coming to play. And if everything he's seeing is real or if it's fake and if he is the real one and with the end fight scene you think that this character that he's fighting is essentially going to be the person that shows him how he how to live in the sand and how to live in our on arrakis and yet it shows that he has the choice that when he sees past and and future visions that he still makes the choice that he can decide where things go he is the one (laughs) in his fighting you 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 don't know to be honest if he's a good fighter when you do know that he has different um uh fight trainers um duncan idaho being one of those and earlier uh while duncan's gone gurney was filling in for him so you see that he gets a lot of fight training but you don't know if is he going to be able to uh hold himself you see him in this vision um, for like an end fight scene played throughout the movie. And you don't know like, okay, is this coming up? What's, how does this fit in? Is he didn't eventually get there or is he didn't get stabbed? What's going on? So to see all those pieces come together with one final scene mm-hmm. and things start to make more sense. And it, it I can't say that I, that's, I immediately, oh yeah, this makes sense. It took some time <laughs> <laughs> going home, watching videos, watching breakdowns to, to finally understand how all this comes together and when those moments happen you're like oh wow that's actually pretty cool um so that has to be my favorite scene oh this is me i enjoyed that uh what about what's your favorite character so small joke before we get into it oh (laughs) my god i i like my jokes big or not at all i know uh there's a character (laughs) that's actually part of that fight scene the one that he kills that i i dig that guy's voice and prior to hitting record ron and i were 
listening to pronunciations of this character's name. And I'm just going to say his first name because I don't want to butcher it. And if you're listening, you can feel free to laugh at us. Uh, but his first name is Babs. And feel free to laugh at Tyler because I'm <laughs> I'm super serious. I've never done anything wrong or weird in my life. Never. Uh, but never. He was, his voice is just I could listen to his voice just saying anything like if he's on cameo like i need to go find something and just have him read it maybe he'll he'll do like the intro for the podcast one day that should be something we do let's get george lucas to do it i don't think george would do it but uh let's do it i saw him in a movie last night um wrath of a man well anyways my favorite character is it's probably a paul atreides i just hate that his name is paul like i know you call him like paul give like three more u's or something um, but that's him being the main character. It's well acted. I never thought that um, Timothy was going to be uh, a bad. What's his last name? I'm oh, sorry, Timothy. Who? I'm, everybody knows it. Everybody can say it on their Tim- own. They can. They Tommy, can read it. Tommy Chimpanzee. <laughs> Tillian Champlamar. I felt like I heard like. People saying prior, oh, like this is gonna be his first big box office. Yeah, can he hold the tent pole? Can he be the person? And it's like, have you seen him in other movies? He's a good actor. Uh, so I, I think not. he definitely pulled it off. I realized that while I was watching this movie, I was like, I've never seen Timmy do anything. <laughs> I really have you seen any of his movies? No, it's weird because he's been in a lot of stuff. It's just maybe he like maybe I have, but definitely ne- nothing he's been the lead of. Uh, well, well, one that he is a lead of that you've maybe you can see like memes of. Um, he's in this um, Netflix movie, The King, and there's a scene in it that everybody just laughed at forever. But uh, Robert Pattinson is like of a, a oh, I'm trying to think of what country he's trying to like do his accent from, but it's one of the worst ac- accents I've ever heard. Like really, down. Robert Pattinson doesn't Robert Pattinson have an accent? Uh, he does have an accent, but he's trying to do <laughs> a different one, <laughs> a different one. I'm trying, I can't even remember if it was a French accent or what he was trying to do, but it was just awful. And he's talking about <laughs> having big bowls and he, it, it just doesn't even make sense. You're just like, what is this? Is this, a, is, did he just turn this serious movie into a comedy? Um, but you can go see that one. It's on Netflix and it's free. There we go. I'm not going to watch that though. Cause I got stuff to do, buddy. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite character? Uh, my favorite character, I got to say, it's a bit of a toss-up. Um, I'll let you guess, just real quick. Well, I know that it's Duncan Idaho, so Duncan ah, Idaho. He knows because he's seen the future. He's the one. <laughs> Damn it. Um, yeah, it's a toss-up between Duncan and Duke Leto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke Leto, for me, was up there because I I love uh, Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he went by his real last name. His last name's not Isaac, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I love Oscar Isaac. His performance was good. I thought it's, he's one of those guys that like, have you ever seen him in anything and thought like, other than when he played apocalypse, <laughs> <laughs> you don't be- like you believe it. Like, I believed him as this guy who's had these decades of leadership time. And as this like general guy, and he, he was good with the son. I don't believe Timothy Chalamet as his son. That was a weird setup. They just don't. And it, it's not, they were, Chemistry wise and acting wise, yeah, they were there. But visually, you're like these guys don't look related. <laughs> Duke Leto was one for me, but the guy who really took the cake was obviously my guy, Jace Momoa, Duncan Idaho. He was badass. I like that he shaved in the middle of the movie. You know, when brought it up. <laughs> well, you're going to a new planet. Maybe you need to shave. Yeah, but he'd been there for a minute, and then like he comes back, he's like, "I'm clean shaven now." 
Gotta look good. Uh, but nice. anyway, he had obviously he had really cool action scenes. His his interaction, like that big brotherly interaction with uh, Paul, mm-hmm. was really good. I love their chemistry. Um, spoiler alert for the movie, we already gave that. But when he dies at the end, I thought it was a really cool death. I was hoping he'd get back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there are sequels coming up, so who knows with all the different stuff that can happen. Anybody, I don't, we don't know this universe well enough yet to know if anybody <laughs> stays dead. But I thought that was it was a great scene. Uh, I super interested. Uh, I would even see a prequel with his character because they talk about oh he's everybody that mentions his name like oh my god Duncan Idaho's there we got to be careful and they'll even send battalions of like fifteen guys and they're like you better watch out because Idaho's there. So I think that would be a cool spinoff now that I'm just spitballing. Mm -hmm. Those references to Duncan and Gurney with them being the best fighters in the universe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it really sets up their characters. And I do know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Don't (laughs) don't say shit, man. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's it's definitely his character is cool. That aspect of being like the big brother and looking over him. And I feel like even when he comes back from his mission, that just that interaction, it seems real. Like that that chemistry that they showed with yeah, Josh Brolin. Yeah, really gives him shit for being skinny and all that too. Yeah, they, you, it doesn't feel forced. <laughs> it's just well acted in that scene. Oscar Isaac's last name is Hernandez Estrada. I didn't know that, to be honest. I, I really didn't know. But uh, He's from Guatemala. Oh, yes. Good for yeah. him. As a as a guy with uh, curly hair that's going gray, I appreciate his styling of his curly gray hair. So I also appreciate that about Mr. Isaac. Okay. Well, talking now, sequel talk. And if you didn't know this before, they didn't have the setup. They didn't even know if they were going to make a second movie after. Dude, what do you think what? about that? Absolute freaking big bulls. <laughs> that Danny Villeneuve have because I've heard him say that this this uh, film adaptation is planned for at least four and he was not given the green light for a number two so they made this movie not knowing if they'd go anywhere and he mm-hmm. just said I'm gonna I'm gonna try people are gonna like it I don't care um, one thing though it's not even a detract doesn't detract from the film at all but because it is built as part of a series I thought he did a great job of not only does it set up where it needs to go, but it does feel like one contained story. However, because it's set up as like the kickoff to the rest, it doesn't necessarily feel like the normal three act structure of a, of a um, feature film, mm-hmm. because as it goes, you know, as you know, that that first attack kind of happens early in the movie where normally that would be either like, it happens like a third of the way into the movie instead of the middle or the end, or usually that would kind of be the, the, um, climax of the movie and then mm-hmm. there's another fight and it, it's kind of broken up it almost feels like there's maybe four to six acts in this movie so for me it, it was kind of disorienting to feel okay how much is left of this movie and mm-hmm. then like you said he had these visions of this big battle and i'm like i think hasn't it been two hours like they're gonna get an army together and do a giant battle like i don't know how they're gonna do this yeah so that was the only, that was i found it it was still interesting and i thought that it's non-traditional structure actually made it more interesting like i said because you're trying to figure out like where what's what what's left what's going to happen yeah yeah i agree with that that's it wasn't until after that i know more about what's Don't. left in Don't spoil it. <laughs> what's left gonna, in the movies i'm gonna get an aneurysm from <clears throat> getting so frustrated with you don't spoil it but how many movies have you heard directors say oh no this movie stands alone by itself 
But it's like, well, shouldn't it connect to every other movie? And then you watch and you're like, man, that movie sucked. Maybe you should have connected it to, <laughs> to the other movies of the latest Venom. But um, <laughs> that's <laughs> when you watch Dune, they crushed it. They crushed mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole story with it only being a fraction of um, what's to come. And you got so many pieces, story building, you got action, uh, you got stuff that really sets things up for, okay, is this character alive? Um, is this his new love? How, how is that going to happen? All these different mm-hmm. things that they haven't even touched on. And I think it was an interesting move with not even, I think uh, you, you've mentioned this before, with not even going too deep into like what spice, the roles of spice and how that, how important it was because there were so many other pieces of the movie that mm-hmm. were great to watch. Yeah, and I, I said I am really glad they're doing more because I want to find out. I think it it ties up nicely. Like it could end where it is with Paul kind of okay, he's figured out he's in control of his destiny, and the rest is your imagination. That could be a decent ending. But man, I want to find out what happens. <laughs> and so I'm very yeah. excited for 2039 when uh, Dune Part Four comes out and they complete the quadrilogy. All good. Let's move on to our WTF <laughs> moment of the week. All right. This week's WTF moment of the week is brought to you by Brawny, the only paper towel that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> um, so I I was playing with the idea of what's more WTF than just when you got to this segment, I just freaking hang up. You know, I just hang up and the call. You're stuck here, hat in hand, all alone. But I thought that doesn't make any sense. People wouldn't get it. So I got to be here and I'll explain. Imagine that joke happened. LOL. Okay. So my real WTF moment of the week, um, I got to pick two. Uh, we will eventually get around to reviewing this whole series, but I watched episode one of Hawkeye and they have some amazing, just mind blowing hair work. And I mean that with all disrespect. <laughs> Vera Farmiga is wearing this weird, really dark black wig that. Doesn't make any sense because when you see her in present day, it's gone. Uh, and this it, the series opens with a flashback of Kate Bishop's parents in 2012. And for some reason, her dad has this big old he's a receding hairline, and he's got this like giant bald eagle landing on his head haircut and a thick old push broom mustache. And I thought it was going to be like brought up why her dad looks like a a porn star in the 70s, and they just don't. Mm-hmm. And then he just dies off screen, and they show a picture of him at his funeral, and he's got this. <laughs> big old freaking national treasure haircut <laughs> and it's out of control so that got me going um what's going on here <laughs> now my second wtf moment of the week i was re-watching dexter mm. and I've, i i know it's kind of the point of the character but i forgot just how incredibly sexual harassy vincent masuka is to everybody in there <laughs> and also uh deb morgan they're just like talking about effing and jeffing and jazzing and spazzing and i'm like this is a hostile work environment hello <laughs> so those i had those had me going what the f- what the f-? the whole time thank you for sharing two even so even though it's supposed to be one moment mm-hmm. of the week great job ronald you're welcome and you know my motto don't tell me what to do ever <laughs> <laughs> okay so now it's time to cool down stretch those muscles uh, get a little walk in, get your breathing right. Get out of your fight or flight. Let's get into some sympathy and nervousism. Let's get recovering. Um, so now that we're cooling down, Tyler, what are you currently watching? What are you going to watch? 
Uh, so it sounds bad when I say this because I already forgot the name of the show. Um, <laughs> but I'm one of those people that watches. I just turn on like a show. Um, one of the ones that I'm watching now, just like when I'm working, is did you ever watch How to Make It in America on I HBO? I did. I yeah. did. I actually really like that show. I've seen it like at least like three, four times. And yeah. just turned it, it on. It made me really want to move to New York and design clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I wanted to do those things, but it was it was fun to watch. Um, so I that was going to design workout shirts and polos. <laughs> but there's a, a series on HBO Max. Oh, it, it feels so bad that we, we we thought about watching it. It's about some like killing and like and I don't even know when it is. And you can tell how deep I am into the show and. Um, yeah. There's that one. So next time when you listen, I'll actually know the name of it because wow. I've gone past the first episode. What about <laughs> you, Ron? What are you watching? Uh, I'm currently watching uh, Spotify wrapped recaps on everyone's Instagram stories. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, I just finished last night. Uh, it's called The Curse of Von Dutch. You remember that super tacky hat brand from like the early 2000s? <sighs> you watch those things. Go ahead. Dude, there's a documentary on Hulu. It's so good. I did not know. You might be interested. One of the guys who found it was this uh, little Filipino gangster guy, just like you. Just because I'm Filipino doesn't mean I want to watch it. Continue. Just because you're a gangster, you'd want to watch it. Continue. Again, we talked about this up top. Tyler is running 80 to 85 illegal activities out of his <laughs> office right now. This guy's literally handing off bootleg VHS copies of And One Mixtape Volume 1 as we speak. I'm looking at him. Uh, no, but it was actually, I thought it would be lame too. We popped it on and it's super interesting. There's a lot of, there's multiple murders involved. Uh, the son of Pablo Escobar gets involved. Um, there's like shootouts and all kinds of crazy shit. It was super interesting and it's a very well produced documentary. Documentaries gone out of hand these days. I got to say they that do, right man. now. I love it. They're I, so sensationalized. Like those ones on Hulu, I feel like Hulu has a new one of those ones like every month. Like there's that one, there's one, it wasn't like WeWork. Um, like there's mm. ones on like different church revivals and all this kind of stuff on yeah. HBO Max. They're interesting though, man. I got to say, so this actually, oh, I should have used it. This had a WTF moment. They're interviewing one of the guys who founded the brand. And while they're talking, he pulls out, I thought he's going to smoke a cigarette. Then he pulls out some tinfoil and a lighter. And then he smokes PCP while they're interviewing him. <laughs> and he's like, sorry, I just need a little bit to get me through the day. So he it's does that get, twice. Need a little bump. He does it twice during this interview. And then he just stands up and starts peeing into a bottle while they're talking. <laughs> and they're interviewing this guy in his house. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, holy. So that's my biggest WTF. I was like, holy crap. This this place is not, this uh, documentary is not playing around. Okay. Workouts. What you working out on these days? What you working out? Well, I actually am recovering from a uh, pec tendon uh, strain. So last night was my first day back to a little bit of benching. It felt nice. Knock on wood. Uh, later today, if I have the time, I have a quadricep dominant leg day. Uh, highlights of which uh, may end up going up on the movie buffs story just to keep <laughs> We want to get some movie and some buff in there. So we're still playing with our uh, posting. We'll see if we uh, throw some highlights up there. If not, they'll be on my Instagram at troncat25, a Instagram handle. I would love to change. What about you, bud? How are you working out? How are your workouts going? Not bad. In the last episode, I said that I want to get back to lifting heavy. I'm, mm -hmm. It's not heavy in my book, but getting back into some benching five hundred, nice and light. Some four and five reps. Uh, got a new mm -hmm. piece of equipment. 
Yesterday What'd that came. <laughs> you might laugh, but it's a glute drive. Um, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> um, but it's one that actually can double as a flat bench too. And oh, that's tight. Um, my gym is just packed with equipment that I don't even know where I'm going to put this right now. But uh, the wife wanted it, and I was using it last night, and it not bad. I, there's I've tried a handful of glute drives, even some mm-hmm. with you, and this one's. Not bad to get into. Force has its um, things that could be improved on, but for a home glute drive, not bad at all. All right. So I guess now that we heard about Tyler's workout and his butt cheeks, we're ready to call it a day. Tyler, you all done, man? You ready to get out of the gym? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and taking the time out of your day to spend it with us. We know you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at moviebuffs underscore podcast. And if you like this episode, share it with somebody you love. Or if you hate this episode, share it with somebody you hate. Do it as a prank. I don't give a shit. Just share it. (laughs) Uh, We thank you again for listening. And we hope to hear from you next week when we talk about something else. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.